Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 79. Today we have some NFL news to discuss, uh, including something very personal to me with Carson Wentz being traded from the Eagles to the Colts. And then we're going to dive into sort of a recap of some things that we predicted previously in uh, earlier episodes and, and uh, look at look at what we had thought might shake out in the NFL season, what happened, what didn't, what we were right about, what we were completely incorrect about, um, and look at that. So first off, I want to introduce my co-hosts. I have Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan here with me today as per usual. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Ready to roll as always. Week two of no football. So we're only, what, six months left until we're almost there. Hey, but there's good news out there. You might be missing NFL football, but you can tune in to the Tam High uh, Hawks here in a little bit. In a couple weeks, high school football has been cleared to play. So uh, Tim Lapias actually is going to have their own YouTube channel and live stream the games. So if you're looking for a fix, you can watch the Tam High Hawks uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, and we'll we'll be sure to spread that link around and, and mention yeah. it on the podcast when it's when it's up and running. But I'm pumped to get going and, and be coaching again, so uh, I'm I'm doing swell. We That's should, pretty okay, cool. That's pretty cool that you guys are doing that on YouTube. Is it? Yep. Are you gonna have like like is it gonna be like a broadcast or is it gonna be just more of like a live filming of the game? Like, is there gonna be somebody announcing? I believe there will be somebody. The, the Tam High Boosters posted something on Instagram saying they were looking for people to, to film and to announce and, and broadcast it, whether that'll be, you know, a student or someone, you know, maybe that is a more professional person that, that does that kind of stuff for a living. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but it, it should, at least you'll be able to see the plays live streamed at a minimum from, from what I understand. I think Cyrus and I should uh, be broadcasters. You probably should. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, which hey, one? Who's who's play by play and who's color? That's the question. Oof. I don't know. We'll work um, that out later. <laughs> I think I think I'd I'd be play by play. Durgan would chime in with the the quips and the, the too many chiefs, I, not enough Indians. What was your what is your yeah, random? Yeah, the he's, that he's you got the the sayings. Down yeah, yeah, I got the sure. sayings. Yeah, yeah. Can't lease all of them, but yeah, I'm down. I'm so down. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. You know, I've thought about that, um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's a lot harder than it looks. Like when you watch a commentator, oh, yeah. like. Clearly, yeah. the people who do it have done it for so long that they're they know exactly how to do it and what to say. Um, but I feel like you watch it and you're like, oh, it's easy. Anybody could do that. But it's definitely not. It yeah. can't be worse than booger. So that's true. I don't know if that we can true. afford a booger mobile though. So uh, <laughs> you know, you're gonna have to stick in the booth and and uh, you may even be you know at home watching remotely and commentating, which I imagine is is even harder in some ways. Yeah, I mean, we'd figure it out. We'd pull a rabbit out of the uh, thing, out whatever. Of the head? What did pull a rabbit out rabbit. of the head? Is that yeah. <laughs> Jason, Jason Hatton? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got yeah. it now. We can figure that out. Um, let's let's dive into our first topic, though. This one is is uh, near and dear to me. It is an interesting situation that at first I was a little confused and couldn't really wrap my head around, and now I'm kind of I've had a chance to settle down, fully grasp everything that has happened. And I actually like the outcome here. So let's talk about Car- the Carson Wentz trade to the Indianapolis Colts. I can get this. I can get. I can kick this off if you guys want. I, yes. I, I know I have a lot of emotions and thoughts around this, do including it. what to do with my Carson Wentz jersey that's sitting hanging in my closet. <laughs> now that I was really wearing it anyways, because there's there's nothing to do anymore. But uh, you know, if anybody wants it, you, you you know, welcome to it. I don't know what to do with it. So. 
Clearly, it's irrelevant now. Is it, a, um, is it an away jersey? Could you could finagle it into being a Colts white jersey? Potentially? No, no, no. no. <laughs> we got that jersey? midnight green. Midnight okay. green, baby. That's a little yeah. bit more difficult to work with, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's any mistaking it for an Eagles, for anything but an Eagles jersey. So it's uh, it's part of history. I'll hold on to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this trade, it took me a little bit to kind of wrap my head around it. And I think, you know, at first I was a little disappointed when it happened just because contextually you know all the rumors that were out there and clearly a lot of it was probably smoke and mirrors and everything i mean we don't know 100 percent what happens in the inner workings of uh, a gm and their negotiations but the rumors you know with the bears potentially trading a first round pick a third round pick and nick Foles for carson Wentz straight up um kind of set this standard in my mind of what i thought we would be able to get we didn't quite get that, but you know, when you really dive into what the Eagles got in return, it's a good trade, Consider all things considered. I mean, Carson Wentz had one of the worst seasons of his career. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and you're still able to get, at worst, a second and a third in return, and at best, a first and a third in return, if Carson Wentz plays over 75% of the snaps or 70% of the snaps, and they make the playoffs. So, in the end, you're getting two potential valuable picks in return for a player who clearly was disgruntled, didn't want to be part of the team, and your organization clearly didn't have enough faith in. I mean, you benched him midseason in favor of Jalen Hurts. So I think it's a good deal in the end. I mean, the Eagles, you'll, you're taking on $33.8 million in dead cap hit. That's the largest dead cap hit any team has ever taken ever for any player. So that's kind of insane. Uh, but the Colts will assume the balance of his deal, which I think is $128 million. Of, uh, no, that's not the balance. That's the total extension value. But yep. the balance of that after one year. So, um, you know, and you save $10 million by by doing this now before March 19th. So I don't hate the trade. You know, good for Wentz. He's reuniting with Frank Reich. I think a new new change of pace and new scenery for him is, is much needed. Um, Frank Reich, you know, many, many credit him for the successes that Wentz had in 2017. So if he gets the best out of out of Wentz and anything remotely similar to what we saw in 2017, it's a huge win for the Colts. I mean, that's a that's a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers, and the, the Colts made the playoffs last year and had a pretty good season. So you're losing T.Y. Hilton. He didn't really do much. But overall, I think this is going to be a better scenario and situation for Wentz. That offensive line is pretty damn good, uh, which was definitely an issue this season. Um, Eagles are releasing Alshon Jeffrey as well. So I think, you know, you, when you compare apples to apples, I, I would take the Colts skill position players at the moment over the Eagles, maybe marginally. But I think this is a good situation. I like the trade for both teams here. I think um, when you look especially at like contextually, yes, you know, the the market was kind of set by Matthew Stafford, who's at this moment is a, is a much better quarterback than Wentz, I'd say. I think Wentz has a higher ceiling than Stafford right now. But he has a way lower floor, meaning you're taking on a bigger risk here. We saw the floor this past season, um, but you didn't give up two first-round picks and Jared Goff. So I like the trade. Clearly, Reich feels like he can make something out of Wentz and and bring him back to his former glory. Um, and if that happens, you know I think it's a win-win for both teams. The Eagles get their first in return. The uh, Colts get their quarterback of the future. He's he's still only 28, which is is not like young but it's young in quarterback terms especially nowadays so i think it's a good trade for both teams at first i was a little disappointed i think anytime you lose a quarterback who you kind of had cemented in your mind as your franchise quarterback it's a little weird um and it opens up a lot of questions especially we'll, we'll dive into this but the eagles and their draft 
position and what they do there. I mean, quarterback is a legitimate option at this point at number six. So we are a quarterback factory after all, according to Howie <laughs> Roseman. So let's let's see what happens. I don't really want us to take a quarterback, but it's not out of the question. Um, so a lot a lot of implications that this trade has. I think it's a good move for both teams, and I will pass the baton to one of you guys. But um, I don't I don't mind the trade as an Eagles fan. You like Casey? Okay. Um, you know, I think it's an interesting for the Colts, at least from their perspective. It, they had last year in Philip Rivers a guy who um, wasn't allergic to throwing the deep ball, but he didn't have a ton of arm strength left. He could do it, and he was serviceable. Um, but he really made his money underneath, throwing to the running back, making those quick rhythm timing passes, and and sort of using the passing game as an extension of the run game that Frank Reich is so good at scheming up. And on the flip side, Wentz almost refused to do those easy passes, had some accuracy issues underneath, um, would have a tendency to hold on to the ball and try to extend plays for, for sort of that hero ball look and, and make things happen downfield. Um, so the play styles are very, very different. And, um, you know, obviously Reich got some good play out of, uh, out of Wentz early in his career, but the stats for Wentz at least are almost identical in yards per attempt, completion percentage, QBR, interception percentage, and touchdown percentage when Wentz had Reich and when Wentz didn't have Reich. So statistically, at least, he really didn't change that much with and without Reich. I think the eye test is definitely in favor of his play with Reich, but the Eagles also had a lot more talented receivers, or at least they had the same receivers that weren't aging as poorly as they are right now. Alshon Jeffrey was functional. Deshaun Jackson was playing well. Um, Zach Ertz was a few years younger. Like They had some guys that could sort of help Wentz make that hero ball work. You know, they had guys that could get open deep and get those explosive plays. And you had an exciting quarterback that was running around, you know, doing his patented little duck underneath flying defenders and, and getting out of the pocket and making stuff happen. And as the, the skill positions for the Eagles sort of waned and decreased in their ability, that style of play stopped being as functional. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to take, you know, a, a lot of work in the offseason with Reich to sort of get him on schedule within the system and play consistent football. Um, and I'm not entirely sold that that will happen. You know, I haven't exactly been a Wentz hater, but I haven't been a Wentz uh, fan, especially going into the last year when Cyrus and I had our heated Kirk You've Cousins. You've been a Wentz hater. <laughs> but don't, I wasn't don't a hater. now. You were a just, hater. I was more of a Kirk Cousins lover than a Wentz hater, at, at least in that scenario. Now I'm a little sure, bit of a sure. Wentz hater. Uh, you know, you you mentioned just the the fact where there, there's smoke um, and mirrors going on and and with the Bears, but there, there's also been some smoke uh, even going back to the Super Bowl uh, afterwards about Wentz being selfish and a poor teammate. Um, and you know, Adam Schefter had a report this weekend that uh, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson didn't talk for eight to ten weeks during the season when he was actively starting at quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, I don't know who exactly whose fault that is, but that is uh, not a great look for either of them. And now they're both gone from the organization. Um, I, I can't imagine it, it sits well with, with players or with other coaches if you're 
if your quarterback is not communicating and talking to the head coach and play caller of the team like ultimately you're still a professional you can dislike your boss you still have to have a functional working relationship with them and clearly they did not so um apparently he likes reich and although he liked press taylor a lot and they were buddy buddy and he he needs a guy that's going to be a little bit harder on him will he respond to that harder coaching now that he's had a little bit softer touch with with press taylor in, in philadelphia i don't know we'll we'll see uh i'm not super optimistic that he's just gonna totally turn a corner and take the colts to the next level um sort of what we saw from him last year those mechanics need a lot of work um and those are things that have sort of been deteriorating a little bit for a while like they haven't cropped up in the way that they have this last season but you know even during his mvp campaign he still had some of these disfluencies in his in his base and his pointing his toe and 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 all that kind of stuff and they just started to become more and more magnified as as this season went along so um you know i think it's good for the for the eagles to get the return they did um i mean you really are a quarterback factory i think he's going to start 75 percent of the 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 snaps and you're going to turn that first round pick you spent on wentz into a first and a third so there there you go you know you paid him you took some dead cap and you got an extra third out of it you know four or five years later but you did it well to be fair we traded up for Wentz. so anyway oh that is true Um, i forgot about that yeah so I'm not sure that it all equals out in the end. But I guess the question I would have for you then, as somebody more in tune with the X's and O's, do you view this as a as a lateral move, an upgrade, or a downgrade from Phillip Rivers in his current... Like, let's say Phillip Rivers didn't retire, and you had to compare both of these guys as options for the Colts. And I know you mentioned they're stylistically different. So who do you think is a better fit with what Reich wants to do? And which one do you think would be better suited? That is a good question. And, uh, you know, I think it's Rivers is the safer bet. Wentz is the more risky kind of guy. Boomer bust. Yeah, he, he can win you games. I don't know if Philip Rivers can, like, put the team on his back and carry you to a win. Wentz can, but Rivers also generally, at least this last year, he he threw some bad interceptions, but he wasn't a guy that was going to throw away the game completely like I think Wentz can. I don't think this team is talented enough on offense to carry Wentz alone. Like Wentz is going to have to be an important functional person in this offense. Um, You know, they have a strong run game, a strong offensive line, and I think they'll they'll lean on that and and Wentz has some good arm strength and has shown he has accuracy on the move so I'd expect a lot of play action and rollouts and getting get him moving using those legs um, which you know they didn't do a ton with with Philip Rivers so you know if he gets hot at the right time sort of like a Joe Flacco situation like if he gets hot for the playoffs and and starts feeling himself then uh, I think he can take them over the top but I I wouldn't expect that to consistently be there for him. Okay, and how much do you think the offensive line plays a factor too with the Colts? I mean, the Colts' offensive line is pretty good. I think last year wasn't their best year, but in general, I think the talent on that line is probably better than the Eagles right now, basically because of injury, but also just in general. Yeah, for sure. They're a very strong run-blocking team. I think their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, retired, so they got to fill something in there. You know, I don't know what the answer is there. I think there was some talk about moving um, Quentin Nelson to to tackle, which I don't know that I agree with because you have a perennial all-pro guard that has Mm -hmm. proven he can be an all-pro guard at that position. I don't know why 
you know, I understand the temp. He could probably play left tackle and be fine, but you're going to lose a definite all pro guy in the middle. So uh, it, offensive lines only help. Um, but at the same time, that might give Wentz uh, a little bit more comfort level to hold on to the ball longer and try to hit those deep plays, which, you know, got him in trouble. I, I remember the many times when Eagles were on primetime when Cyrus was like, ah, just throw the ball away. Like, you can't take a sack all the time once you just get get rid of the ball, throw it to somebody, oh, yeah. take the check down. It's okay to not get the 50-yard touchdown every single play. Yep. Yep, that would drive me absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> what about you, Durgan? What do you think about this whole trade? Yes, let's break this down. Uh, Colts' perspective, I think, is an excellent <clears throat> trade. Uh, Chris Ballard, their GM, has said for the past year mostly that the reason why they haven't gotten that quarterback of the future is because once you do make that move to get you know, your franchise quarterback, you're going all in. There's no looking back. You're putting your job and your reputation on the line. And I don't know how much longer they could have waited kind of buying time with bridge quarterbacks because their roster from 1 to 53 is very good. They don't have the top-end talent like the Rams or the Bucks, maybe, but their starters across the board are all very, very solid. So I think once being in an environment, like we said, offensive line is pretty good. Uh, left tackle, I think they'll draft someone. Uh, that's risky starting a rookie at left tackle, but I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, so they have... Offense line's good. Jonathan Taylor looked really good down the stretch. And they have Naheem Hines, who looked good as a backup running back. Who Also, they have Marlon Mack, who's a free agent. But if they bring him back, that's a really strong trio. Receivers uh, don't have that one guy. But coming from what he had with the Eagles, no offense, Cyrus, it's a lot better. I mean, these guys at least can prove that they are, belong on NFL roster. And also, underrated perspective of all this, even after picking up Wentz's contract, they had the fourth most cap space in the NFL. And there's a ton of uh, top-end receivers available. Kenny Galladay, uh, Allen Robinson. So they get someone of that quality, all of a sudden that offense is really good. And then we also look at the division. The NFC East wasn't that good, but it was very competitive. Now in the AFC South, all you have to worry about at this point for next season is the Titans. The Jaguars, they're a year or two away. And the Texans are the Texans, and they might be the worst team in football next year. And my final point for the Eagles is let's look at Carson Wentz, what really brought him in, or did him in in Philadelphia. And that was kind of the criticism from the media. And the Eagles are a big brand team. And their their fan base is rabid, they're loyal, but the, the, they will boo you. And I don't think Carson Wentz had ever experienced that in his life, uh, that kind of criticism. And then now he goes to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is a much slower-moving city. Yes, they've had Peyton Manning and they have Andrew Luck. They've had great success at quarterback, but they don't make national headlines like the Eagles do. So I think that's going to help him a lot where the pressure isn't as high as it was. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, also, we're going to look at the Eagles. Eagles obviously wanted Wentz out in a bad way. I thought they were going to keep him after getting rid of Doug Peterson, but it wasn't the case. They sold low on him, but that's a good return. If you can get a first round. I'm going to assume it's a first-round pick for next year. And a third-rounder, that's pretty good. We mentioned the cap, a dead cap this year. NFL record, one-sixth of their cap. That hurts. But, speaking of hurts, if you think Jalen Hurts is your guy, you're paying him a second-round pick, second-year player, which is like a million dollars. So he's not going to cost you much to play quarterback this year. And I think you have to play Hurts. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of him. Uh, we argued last year about his future in NFL. 
I don't think he's the guy, but you have to give him at least one year uh, and see what happens. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I think they bring in a veteran for competition, whether it's uh, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and let him and Hurts go at it and use that sixth pick on a lineman or a receiver and build around the quarterback position. And if Hurts isn't the guy, you're probably going to suck again next year if he's not, and you drop the guy then. I, I think that's that's the smart route, and I'm mentally preparing myself for an offensive lineman pick, as as unsexy as that would be. Um, it's much needed as well. So, you know, it's obviously everybody wants the exciting wide receiver skill position, blah, 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 but um, sometimes building through the trenches is the correct path to victory. That's what took the, the Eagles to the Super Bowl. It is. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. And uh, hopefully after this quick retooling rebuilding probably a rebuild more than more than a retooling at this point um they won't be too far off from that but let's uh let's wrap things up on that trade there unless you guys have any final thoughts we'll kind of dive into the second segment here that we have planned nope i'm i'm all good good. i'm not sold on jalen hurts either for the eagles but casey let's just be real you're not sold on anyone ever huh (laughs) i was sold on well we're gonna foreshadowing i was sold on a certain quarterback that i i was incorrect on here in, in All the right. next segment. So. Well, why don't you tee us off then, since uh, since you're giving us this beautiful seg- segue. Uh, well, it, we'll go into sort of our, our predictions team-wise, but uh, we were talking sort of about our bigger, biggest surprise or biggest disappointment this, this year, and uh, biggest disappointment was my top five quarterback in five years, Gard- Gardner Minshew. Gardner <laughs> Minshew. <laughs> uh, he got benched pretty early, too. Um, you know, I think he's still a solid quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be a top five quarterback in five years, but I think he's a serviceable starter in the league. Uh, and I think if he was a first round pick, um, you know, he would have had a lot more leeway and would get, uh, you know, a little bit more attention and, and, and love. But the, the Jaguars sort of decided that Mike Glennon was the, the tank commander to, to try to get Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, I, I didn't really understand, I understand the logic of, you know sort of driving the tank if that's what they were doing but you have a guy going into a second year and give him every opportunity to show you that he can be the legit guy let him grow and Mm -hmm. uh, give him give him the opportunity and they didn't really do that they were sort of flip-flopping sort of all through the season he did fine he didn't wow Um, I think the the main concern was that he, he just wasn't playing on schedule and was was getting a tendency to to do sort of what like Carson Wentz was doing is is play hero ball ball and sort of get off schedule and and rely on his legs and making something happen on scramble drill which just isn't sustainable offense for the most part so um, that's a quarterback that I was pretty pretty high on going into the season and uh, you know I was incorrect so there you go well (laughs) hey pan out five years is a lot of time right things can change so your prediction is still in limbo there you know it's not ruled out four more years possibility yeah get it together bud you gotta get another starting gig uh i have a question though just sort of at a higher level as far as this hero ball mentality goes do you think that stems from sort of a lack of trust in the supporting cast that you have i mean both the jaguars and the eagles Eagles a lot due to injury, but there wasn't much around these players, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is that sort of why these quarterbacks feel like they have to do something and then it kind of backfires? I mean, I think that's a, a big part of it, but I think you can also go back to 
their college days, they were both at you know r- relatively small colleges. Carson Wentz in particular, but for them, they they've probably been the best athlete or one of the best athletes on the field, uh, being able to create plays and have had success with it in the past. And when you start struggling playing within a system that's different to you or more challenging and you don't trust your receivers or whatever it may be, the easiest thing to do is to fall back on what you've had success with in the past. And if that's scrambling around and making plays and, and holding on the ball and trying to you know, make the big play happen, that's when you can start to get into trouble and, mm-hmm. and you know, it sort of feeds into itself. You take a sack and now you feel like, oh, well, it's second and 17. Now I got to do it again to, to get all those yards back. And it's sort of a, you know, a vicious cycle in that way. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of quarterbacks can fall into that when they're, they're trying to do too much or they feel like they're not entirely comfortable or, you know, they need to see that their receiver has won the route instead of just trusting that they're going to win the route and be where they're supposed to be. So they hold on to the ball an extra second and then they're covered or whatever it may be. Um, I, I think it's a lot of things that can sort of combine into it, but, um, you know, the lack of trust is definitely a big factor. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, Durgan, what about your disappointment? So my disappointment this year, a few teams, uh, first off my Niners, I said at the beginning of the year that they're going to Super Bowl, and Casey asked me what's going to happen if they don't make it, what's going to go wrong, and I said, Injuries and Jimmy G not progressing, and that's exactly what happened. It was both. Uh, it was <laughs> both. It's dead on. Uh, so that's unfortunate. And then also other two teams, kind of well, the whole division really, the NFC East. Uh, it was just terrible this year, as we all know. Cowboys, I'm always way too high on them, and every year they screw me over. So I'm never going to be behind the Cowboys again. I'm done with them. Uh, and I think, honestly, the Cowboys, they're in deep trouble. Uh, they lost Zach Dak this year, but they were kind of sinking ship before that. Uh, Jake Elliott looks terrible now. Their offensive line's really getting banged up and old. Uh, guys like Jalen Smith and Marcus Lawrence, high contracts, and they're not getting better. They're getting worse, which is the opposite you want to see, obviously. Uh, and the Eagles, uh, that's another team that disappointed me, but we kind of already talked about them and what happened with their situation. So, um, but uh, number one, the Niners most disappointed in, and now kind of worry about their future, uh, not to the extent of these other teams, but it really goes to show how small a Super Bowl window is for any team. Yeah, I, I'm going to cop out here and also pick the NFC East in tandem with you because I think there is no bigger disappointment in all of football than this division. This division single-handedly made me question the NFL playoff format just because none of these teams deserve to be anywhere close to a playoff spot. Um, so, I don't know, man. To have a, a, a losing record, six wins, and you make the playoffs, that shouldn't happen. To have the the basically polar opposite of what we all expected with the, the Washington football team and the Giants battling for a playoff spot when pretty much everybody unanimously throughout the, season, throughout the uh, preseason and offseason thought it would be sort of a race between the— well, mainly the Cowboys division to win, but also a race between the Cowboys and the Eagles potentially. Man, what a letdown overall. Like this whole division, whether it's due to injury, whether it's due to poor performance, whether it's due to bad coaching, whatever you want to call it, maybe all of the above, honestly. This was one of the worst divisions I think I've ever seen in my time watching football. Um, and I, I'm i glad that this past season is behind us because holy shit, that was bad. Um <laughs> 
Casey, why don't we why don't we toss it back to you? We'll brighten the mood here. Bring us bring <laughs> us back up a little bit. Give us some positive things. Well, I think before I touch on my my happy place, I think the NFC as a whole is the landscape there is changing a lot. And there's yeah. reason for optimism. I think it's going to be, you know, we sort of said it last year, but it's going to be a bloodbath in the NFC because the Cowboys were super injured. The Vikings were very injured, especially on defense and made a late run. And the 49ers were very injured. Mm-hmm. And those are three teams that were all, in my eyes, playoff caliber going into the season. And I still believe in all those teams. Um, they just suffered big injuries at, you know, really important positions and didn't end up making it. So that's three extra teams that are now playoff caliber um going into next year which almost makes like 10 teams in the nfc that are you know legit contenders along with the cardinals perhaps um so i think the the nfc is going to be a a fun one to watch and you know a lot of changes stafford's now in la breeze might be done he hasn't made the official announcement although it's been reported Uh, who's going to start at quarterback for washington will Dak get signed or is he going to be franchise tagged again can jimmy stay healthy like these Mm -hmm. are all big questions in in the nfc and um can atlanta be at you know what their roster says they should be yeah (laughs) Yeah. not choke yeah yeah also a good point and you know carolina if they make a move at quarterback they had some really strong games they were in almost every single game last year uh teddy bridgewater is just you know physically holding them back a little bit with his his inability to throw the deep ball but um you know i I think this is maybe as strong of a league as a whole as as i can remember there are a lot a lot of good teams on both the afc and the nfc um but as far as biggest surprise for me uh, I think we all expressed some concern, at least on some level, about Justin Herbert. And the dude balled out and uh, plug for the video this week is, you know, I, I, I did the, the breakdown on him. And um, for me, at least, we, we talked about it last week uh, about what would you rather, Herbert or, or Joe Burrow? And Herbert's the clear, clear winner for me. So, um, you know, he, he was able to extend plays. He was able to make some really impressive throws on the move. Um, he, he understood sort of the concepts and what to, to read for the most part. Um, and, uh, you know, he had some rookie mistakes and, and sort of read the wrong side of the field and, and got fooled a couple of times. But um, I was very impressed with him, and I, I didn't expect him to play as well as he did consistently. I maybe expected, you know, a few games here and there where you see, like, oh, he's got some potential. This is why he was drafted. Um, but I didn't expect him to string together, you know, the majority of the season. He had a, he had a couple stinkers, especially against New England, where where they got blown out like forty five to to nothing or forty five to three or something like that. Um, but overall, very impressed with him, and uh, you know, props to him. He he balled out, and I, I think there's a bright future for the for the Chargers now. Totally agree, and uh, you know, we we did all call out some concern, and we thought maybe he was a little over over drafted, but. Clearly, they they knew something we didn't. So that's why they get paid the, the big bucks. That's why they get paid the big bucks. Uh, I actually heard it. Quick, quick point about Justin Herbert. I heard an interesting story on a podcast yesterday about how he never had any private quarterback training growing up. He grew up right outside of uh, University of Oregon's campus and kind of just assumed his whole career he was going to go there and didn't really think about anything else. And when he got there, they just trained him. I mean, no outside person. They said, okay, you're going to learn the offense, which is very basic as it is, and we're going to have help you uh, succeed at the college level. 
how teams are so worried about the fact that he hadn't been, you know, working with a guy on his footwork and all this other stuff, that when he got there and after he got professional training in NFL, he took off, which is kind of a double-edged sword. You know, you don't know how he's going to react to this kind of training, but the fact that he his first year took off after getting, you know, not even a full off season in shows how how high his ceiling actually is, and he might be at the end of the day a top five quarterback in the league within the next, you know, three to four years, I think. So we'll see what happens with that, of course. I can at least say that if the NFC East primetime games get replaced with perennial Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes games, hey, I'll, all I'll sign up for that right now. I'm tired <laughs> of seeing the Cowboys and the Giants go at it when they both suck every single year. <laughs> Amen. A freaking man. Uh, my surprise, my first surprise, I guess, is that the fact that we had an NFL season. No canceled games. A lot of postponed games, a lot of shuffling around. Wasn't pretty. A uh, lot of, you know, anger towards NFL for some of their, uh, you know, NFL moments where they went full idiots. But the fact they got a season in, congrats to them. Nobody, you know, got seriously sick or injured in terms of coronavirus, it seems. So that's that's a huge, you know, step for them. Good job. Only time I'll compliment you ever on this podcast. Uh, but my surprise team uh, had to be the Rams. Uh, if you told me before the year that their defense would carry them and their offense would be average, they make the playoffs and be, you know, for the most part, considered a Super Bowl contender, I wouldn't have believed you. And so tons of credit to Brandon Staley. Uh, kind of crazy how that team flipped from two, three years ago to what they are now. Of course, you mentioned uh, Stafford there now. Uh, they're going to be there soon once the, the league officially starts in uh, March. So this team going to be really good. For next few years, uh, kind of high risk, high reward. We'll see what happens. Another surprise team I got is the Dolphins. We kind of projected them as a team on the rise, but nobody projected them winning 10 games. And a team that should have made the playoffs if it wasn't for an incredibly stacked uh, AFC playoff hunt. So uh, if they can get Deshaun Watson, it might cost them a lot, but that would even further speed up their rebuild. And could have been put them in a position to be that first or second best team at AFC East for the next decade plus. Yeah, I'm not as high as on, on the Dolphins as you may be. I'm not a huge believer in Tua and what he showed. Um, but like you said, if they can get Deshaun Watson, you know that would go a long way. I think they still have some holes on the offensive line, and their run game is pretty atrocious. I just don't think you can uh, rely on you know Cal Bear, Patrick Laird, and oh. Tua Tungavailoa to move <laughs> the ball for you consistently on offense. Don't hate on Patrick you know, Laird. I love him. He's hey, he's a you know high effort guy. He's as the <laughs> that's as like an insult almost. That's not color, even a compliment. Color commentators say he's a gym rat. You know he gets Dude, after it. He'll, first one in, last one out. Yeah, he'll give you all Sneaky he's got. Athletic. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He's made he's made a couple nice plays, but he's not a you know a premier running back in in, in the league. He he can serve a role and, and be functional, but um, you know there I think there's still some concerns, especially on the offensive side of the ball there for for yeah. Miami. And if you mortgage the future to get Deshaun Watson, and you're you know I think you can work with the receivers. I I, I worry most about the offensive line, and uh, you know Deshaun Watson has not had a good offensive line for basically his entire career um so he can function with it but you know i would be hesitant i'd be slightly concerned if if miami went went all in right now um 
but very impressive. Love their defense. You know, Flores did a did a good job, and uh, you know, the props to the Rams as well. And you know, sneakily, I think we're we're tainted a little bit by how the season ended and and how you know Goff broke his thumb and and the offense sort of went went silent a little bit towards the end of the year. But they were a top ten defense by DVOI throughout the course of the year. Um, and that sort of shifted. They were they were playing really well in the beginning of the year, and then Andrew Whitworth got hurt, and you know the production sort of sort of started to to wane a little bit on offense, and and that sort of brought their numbers down, and and they lost the Jets and had some bad losses, and and people sort of see that, and you know that's the recency of of what have you done for me lately? And the offense wasn't producing, especially at the in the the most important games. Um, they were very much carried by their 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 defense towards the uh, the end of the year and and got them into the playoffs. But um, if Stafford clicks and you know that offensive line stays healthy and you got a run game and you know I think Stafford hits those plays that Goff wasn't and uh, you know if, if they're hitting those deep posts on, off of play action and can still run the ball, they're going to be a tough team to stop. Yeah. Uh, regarding Miami, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think if they do it, if they do a trade, if they make a trade for Deshaun Watson, it's going to be similar to what we saw for Matthew Stafford, because I feel like the Texans are going to be kind of pigeonholed into this scenario mm-hmm. where they have no leverage and the Dolphins are going to be the only team that Deshaun Watson that is willing to trade for Deshaun Watson that he's going to want to go to. So like, he's not going to want to go to the Jets in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's my my sneaking suspicion that that happens we will see if i'm the dolphins i don't know that i'm in a rush to do that until i know for sure i don't like what i have in tua because tua could tua could be could pan out i mean he was you know talked about as the first overall pick previously so prior to his injury um so we'll see what happens my um positive what are we calling this positive thing surprise surprise (laughs) i don't even know if it's a surprise really because i've been harping on this for pretty much since we've started this podcast (laughs) um but for me it's the cleveland browns made the playoffs for the first time in 18 years this team is looking like they could be a winner and sustain that that uh winning culture and completely reverse what this franchise has been known for in recent memory um the roster is stacked baker mayfield's playing pretty good he's playing as good as you really need him to play in my opinion um you got the best one-two punch at running back in the league and i think i mean nick chubb and kareem hunt i can't think of a better tandem in the league uh obj coming back he was hurt for a lot of the last season and they still played well jarvis landry is a good option Rashard higgins as your third receiver is, is really good you got austin hooper I, i'm like struggling to find holes in this team right now um and i think Stefanski's the guy to make it to to put everything together i mean he showed he showed what he can do and i think it's only going to get better from here so i'm going to double down on my browns fandom in the afc and say that they're the best team in the afc north next season you heard it here first and that that's <laughs> what's go. gonna happen um but they they didn't necessarily surprise me because i had thought they would play well but you know i i think they surprised not not surprised but it was just a pleasant thing to see that this team is finally emerging from the darkness and not going to be in this sort of perennial loser state yep. anymore hopefully time will tell but I believe that they're in a good position moving forward, and um, and I think I think they could they could be a, a force to be reckoned with here. Yeah, I think they need some help 
at the linebacker and in, in the secondary a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but on offense, they're they're playing very well. Who knows what Big Ben's situation is? The GM there for for the Steelers was very non-committal as far as whether he would be back or not. Um, so that that division really could be up for grabs between you know them and and the Ravens, and um, you know they're an exciting team to watch. They have a, a lot of potential on the ground and through the air, and and like you said it was nice to sort of see the maturation of that team yep uh, they've been knocking on the door a little bit talent wise and then finally sort of got the whole picture to to clarify and and come into focus there so uh they were fun to watch and they they were played a close game with the, the chiefs in the playoffs like they were yep. not that far away mm-hmm. from from winning that game i know patrick uh, mahomes got hurt but uh you know the defense was playing pretty solidly and they were they were in that game for for most of the time so um there, there may be a piece or two away on, on defense, but they're they're a team to watch out for next year for sure. Yeah, and why T, uh, not TJ JJ Watt if he goes there, yeah, he could. Yeah, that's going to be could. kind of a scary tandem him and Miles Garrett. So look out. All right, here's my Browns hot take: they should trade Odell Beckham Jr. Their offense was a lot better without him in terms of spreading the ball around, running the ball. I think Baker Mayfield open up the offense more, realize he doesn't have to focus on one guy throwing him the ball. He can throw the ball to Landry. He can throw the ball to Hooper. He can you know, dump it off to the running backs and let them do more work and not try to do too much. If they get rid of Odell, they can probably get at least a second rounder, if not a first rounder, uh, if not multiple you know, second and third round picks. Build up that defense. Get another pass rusher. J.J. Watt would be great. Uh, get a linebacker. Get a safety. And even you know, continue to get young receivers because Baker Mayfield is going to get paid pretty soon. He's your franchise guy. And even though I'm not a huge believer in him, he improved down the stretch. And he showed that he can, you know, be a guy in this league. So I think if they moved on from OBJ and really focus on that defense and focus on the run game, they could be really balanced. And I agree with the fact that they're the best team in AFC North uh, heading to next season. And they're probably the third best team in the AFC, uh, in my opinion, behind the Chiefs, obviously, and the Bills. But the difference between them and the Bills I don't think is as great as I thought it would be. I thought the Bills would be a lot better, but the Browns played the Chiefs a lot better than the Bills did. So we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, Stefanski questioned that higher at first, and he makes us all look dumb because he's coach of the year and had a great season. Nick Chubb's absolute beast. So this team, hopefully, you know, can you know put together some playoff appearances. If the fans in Cleveland have waited long enough for a winner, and let's hope they get one. I don't know who's paying a first for OBJ, though. I would never do that at this point. At this point. point, no. Yeah. Stock's too low. But a second rounder, if you can get Maybe. a second and a third for him. Maybe. I think you could. What's his contract could. situation looking like, though? Uh, he gets paid a lot. I mean, he's not like the highest paid receiver, but he's top five receiver money. So he's And he's not, not top five cheap. receiver production as of late, right? But so Hear this. If you're the Colts and you have a lot of cap space, would you give up a second and third round pick for OBJ? Not, I would. Not if I'm giving up a first and a third for Carson Wentz, too. That's fair. Yeah, you don't have a third-round pick. I'm not well, sure. Depending on what the asking price is, or if, if you're the Dolphins and you need a receiver and you decide to keep uh, you know, Tua there, OBJ could work out there. There's plenty I of, I think, spots for him for teams that need to get over the hump. Yeah, and I don't, I don't disagree that the Browns could do with trading OBJ. Um, I would like to see them keep him for one season and just see what they got, and maybe even kind of pump that value if you're going to trade him. Because right now, I think True. it can't be it can't be lower than it is. So 
I would yeah. I would probably wait and and try to sell higher if you're going to. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Do you guys have any final thoughts here before we wrap up on episode 79? No, I'm all I good. Know. I do not. I hope uh, the Packers get JJ Watt. That's that's my my wish list. That's your that's your uh, wish list. That's you, you throw some some pennies in some fountains or something. Yeah, there's not a lot of fountains near me, but you know I'm gonna go in search of a couple and just bring a big fistful and you know not stop. Nice, yeah. nice. Just yeah. sit there and throw them in. Awesome. That sounds boring as hell. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for sticking with us and tuning into episode 79. We greatly appreciate all your support. Uh, please, please, please check us out. Our website is weeklyspiral.com. You can find the latest and greatest in all of our content there. We're pumping it out regularly for you. Check it out when you have a chance. Before we head out, I want to give my co-hosts um, a quick opportunity to plug some of their content. Casey, what do you have coming up to let the listeners know about? Yeah, I mentioned it earlier, but a Justin Herbert breakdown and how he did in his rookie year with the Chargers and how he could get even better. Nice. Weeklyspiral.com, you can find the written format of that. Weekly, and then you can search us on YouTube as well if you want to watch the video breakdown and check it out there. Uh, Durgan, right. what about you, man? Two scouting reports coming out. First one is Hamsa Nasraldin. Try saying that name three times fast. And the second one is Kadarius Tony, a probable first-round receiver. Awesome. Excited for both of those. This has been a Weekly Spiral production, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you again for sticking with us. We hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, morning, night, evening, whenever you're listening to this, that it is awesome. And we will catch you next week for episode 80.